Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Paul McVitie. I'm the lead pastor here at Chapel Hill Church, and it's good to have you here this morning. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, this morning we're going to look once again at the subject of peace, which we've been studying and examining and digging into and embracing during this Christmas season. And this has been my prayer for you this Christmas season, that you each receive and embrace the gift of peace during this season, and not just for the season, but that you hold on to it permanently, because it's ours. The Prince of Peace came to bring the kind of peace that we've been talking about in this series. Jesus himself said that he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. It was an interesting statement for him to make, because we so often, we're, we're looking at this idea that he brought peace, right? Jesus came to bring peace, and then he says, I didn't, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And there's all kinds of division that happened because Jesus came. But in the midst of that division, Jesus delivers his peace, and he leaves it for us to grab hold of and experience and embrace and, 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 and just enjoy for the rest of our lives Three weeks ago, we introduced ourselves to the Greek word irene, irene, and irene means the tranquil state of a soul that's assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. That last part is what we're going to get to this morning, of whatsoever sort that is. Um, We also introduced these concentric circles that are helping me get a much better grasp on what peace is and the path to peace that Jesus came to bring us and invites us to travel with him. And at the core of this experience of peace is that tranquil, unshakable, impenetrable place that Irene describes. There we're given the assurance of our salvation. This is where we as spirits live. Our spirits exist safe within the grip of God's powerful hands. This is the foundation of our identity as followers of Jesus Christ. And peace, real peace, begins here at the core. And from this place of assurance and strength and tranquility, we move outwards into the other layers of our experience with peace. We talked about the need to reverse the way that we pursue peace. We start from the inside out, not from the outside in. Irene becomes our starting point and our source of peace. Last week we looked at inner peace and what that means to us. We looked at some of Paul's words to the church in Philippians chapter 4. He instructed the church to rejoice, to be glad in their salvation. That's been one of several things in this study that has really changed things for me. I see the value and need in my own life to set my mind and my emotions on the joy of my salvation. Paul reminded us that God is near and that we need to bring our worries and cares to him and allow him to work his redemptive power in our lives. God promised us through Paul that he, that God, would guard our hearts and our minds. And Paul gave us many things that we can set our hearts and minds on, promising again that God would be with us if we filled our thoughts with things that he gave us to think about, rather than just allowing our minds to be open doors to whatever it is that comes in there and disrupts our peace. We also looked at one powerful principle in our quest for inner peace. This is the principle, if we are not doing what God has created us to do, how can we really expect to experience inner peace? 
We were made to love God and to love others. There we'll experience the inner peace of being where, where and who God created us to be. Now at Christmas we celebrate the coming of Jesus. In preparation for his arrival, the prophet Isaiah said that a virgin would conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel came born in a stable in the town of Bethlehem. He was Jesus, God with us. He was God incarnate, heaven come to earth. Jesus embodied heaven. The eternal came to live with us in the temporal. At the beginning of our study of the book of John, we saw John introduce the main character of his book, Jesus. John said that the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the life of Jesus, we've been given a picture of what it means to live an incarnational life. Jesus connecting heaven to earth. His life to our lives. That's critical to what we're going to look at today. Jesus faced earth's circumstances. Jesus himself faced earth's circumstances, just like we do. Jesus navigated relationships. He faced the limitations of resources, just like we do. Jesus dealt with conflict. He faced isolation and rejection. Jesus processed death and illness and calamity. He saw and understood our fear our anxiety, our uncertainty, our cares, our worries. Think for a moment about Jesus' own personal circumstances. Think about that romantic picture that we have of him being born in a peaceful, comfortable dwelling in the beautiful setting on the outskirts of the quaint little town of Bethlehem. Or throw that picture out and think about the fact that the Son of God was born in a stable. Among the filthy, smelly animals, no crib, no soft music, no staff or nurses or doctors on hand, no family lovingly surrounding him and supporting his mother and father in every way possible. He had nothing. That was the best that they could do for him. Think about the fact that he was born to parents who had been rejected because of the circumstances surrounding his birth. An impossible story of supernatural birth. They were poor, cast out, exhausted from the long journey to Bethlehem. Think about the fact that shortly after he was born, they had to flee for the sake of Jesus' life to Egypt. Then fast forward through Jesus' life. Ideal circumstances? Far from it. Jesus humbly stated at one point that he had no place to lay his head. He had no house He had no stable career, not even a stable location. He was on the move. He was in danger. He was hated. He was persecuted. They wanted him dead. Circumstances around the time of his death ought to humble even every single one of us. He faced extreme circumstances, alone at times. His closest friends turned their backs on him. His enemies pursued him, and when the time was right, they tortured him and executed him. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, had circumstances to deal with. Extreme circumstances. 
This morning, I want us to pay close attention to how he handled his circumstances. We have a lot to learn from him. There are three words that I want to focus on with you this morning. And they all have to do with how our circumstances impact our peace. This is the outer layer of the concentric circles. Circumstantial peace. Let's dig into a little more understanding of where Irene fits into our circumstances like it does in our experience of inner peace. The first of these three words is perspective. Perspective. This is critical. We, I, need a shift in our perspective. And we need to follow the lead of Jesus on this one. I just pointed to the fact that Jesus had to deal with earth's circumstances. And remarkably, he didn't just change those circumstances, even though he could have. The one who created everything didn't just change everything to make his life easier. He didn't manipulate his circumstances to find peace in them. He did change things and fix things sometimes to demonstrate his authority. But overall, Jesus put up with some pretty harsh circumstances in a world that he created. And that's remarkable to me. But he was showing us, he was teaching us something. And here's what I think he was teaching us. At least here's what I've taken away from this so far. It's this, simply. Jesus was not a victim of his circumstances. He was not a victim of his circumstances. The king of kings and lord of lords was born in a stable. That reality did not steal Jesus' identity or his authority. Jesus did not lose his title of Messiah because his parents were poor. The prince of peace did not forfeit his credentials because the circumstances surrounding his birth were less than peaceful. Jesus never once declared that it was impossible for him to find peace because his circumstances were just too much. Most of the time, Jesus simply accepted his circumstances for what they were. Once in a while, he changed those circumstances to make a point. Now, the classic story that comes to mind is the story of Jesus crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat with his disciples. And a massive storm comes up, and his disciples think they're going to die. And where's Jesus? Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. He found peace in the middle of a storm out on open water. Even those circumstances could not rob Jesus of his peace. So Chapel Hill, let me state this very clearly to you. You and I are also not victims of our circumstances. We are not. We are secure in our salvation. We are protected by God's Spirit. We are children of God the Father, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Our place at the core of Irene is within the impenetrable walls of the fortress that is God circumstances need to be kept in perspective from that place, not from a starting point somewhere among our circumstances. The fact is, church, that we give far too much value and influence and power to our circumstances. We assign enough power to our circumstances for them to steal our peace and love and joy and a host of other things including our effectiveness in this world. 
And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But brothers and sisters, we're the ones holding the pricing gun. We have it in our hands. Jesus gave us his example as he lived. And then he came to dwell in us by his spirit. Why should we suddenly become victims of our circumstances? We're being deceived. It's time to fight back. Being sick, even terminally, does not change the fact that we have been healed and made complete in Christ. Our eternal identity is one of perfection, soon to dwell here in a perfect world with a perfect body and a perfect Father with us. Being in need financially or materially does not change the fact that our Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that His resources are limited limitless, excuse me, and that we are set to inherit the same level of inheritance as Jesus gets. That's our forever circumstances. Being at odds with someone does not change the fact that we will live forever with our eternal family in perfect harmony. That discord is not a threat to the possibility for reconciliation and restoration. We are not victims of our circumstances. They're not going to be perfect circumstances in this lifetime. Jesus said himself that in this world we'll have trouble. And we do have trouble. But did Jesus' trouble prevent him from the eternal reality that he is now enjoying? Did not. And our trouble also cannot prevent us from the eternal reality that is ours. Signed and sealed, we own it. That's at Irene, at the core of who we are. So I want to take a fresh look at the circumstances that caused me so much grief. And here's a stupid example for you. Our furnace went out recently. The motor on the front of the furnace that gets everything going died. Well, we were in Seattle. And it was supposed to be a simple fix. Just replace that little motor on the front. And it didn't turn out to be a simple fix. It was the wrong motor first. And then it was discovering that there's a crack in something behind the motor. And that has to be replaced too. And so for a week, we went without a furnace. And so, pricing gun in hand, what kind of value did I give those circumstances? Did it frustrate me? No. Yeah, it did. Did I assign it enough value, enough power for it to rob me of my peace? Yeah, I did. I put a big price tag on that circumstance. It's almost as if God timed all this out for me so that the furnace broke down while I was exploring what it means to have peace in my circumstances. Yeah, I didn't think it was very funny. Yeah, thanks, thanks though. But God is teaching me fairly quickly I was able to, to pull the price tag off of those circumstances and reassign them a far lesser value. The reality of it all was that we had two small electric heaters that combined with running the fan on the furnace, we were able to keep our little house at 70 degrees during this calamity. It was an easy way to learn a lesson. Sometimes it's not that easy. But church, we are not victims of our circumstances. Let's reduce the value that we've been giving them 
and get back to Irene, to the core and source of our peace. That's the perspective we can have. The eternal gift that we've received through Jesus ought to lead us to shrink the power and impact that we allow our circumstances to have in our lives. Second word that I want to look at with you this morning is the word promises. And I go back to this word frequently as a pastor. The reason I do that is because we need constant reminders that the one who loves us and saved us has made us many, many promises, and he always keeps those promises. Always. Really, we need to listen to Jesus more. Difficult circumstances seem to have the ability to create a lot of noise in our life that drowns out the truth takes away our peace but we have the power to turn down that noise and to turn our listening ears to a different source of noise it's the beautiful melody of Jesus promises to us so when you're facing circumstances that are powerful enough to steal your peace have this voice on standby to take the place of all that circumstantial noise this is Jesus speaking peace I leave with you My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This should be a reminder to me that I am not the source of peace in my life. I have already been given Jesus' peace, Irene. There is no need for me to search the world over to find peace. There's no need for me to be anxious about how I can have peace or what will give me peace. There's no need for me to wear myself out trying to do everything possible to create peaceful circumstances in my life. Jesus gave me his peace. And it's nothing like what I could ever achieve here in this world. So I can choose to stop being anxious and being afraid of the circumstances in my life that could steal my peace. I have his peace. You have his peace. He left it for us. Let me lead you to one more promise. It's a big one, huge when it comes to our peace. This is Jesus again. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus knew what his disciples were going to face when he left. He knows what we're going to face in this world. He knows that we will face difficult circumstances, just like he did. And so he speaks directly to our hearts, where we can experience inner peace. He gives us the promise and assurance that he has overcome this world. Remember that Jesus overcame the power of this temporal world when he went to the cross, was buried, and walked out of that earthly grave on the third day. He took death's power away. He established a path to peace in this world. It's not just a path that begins when we leave this world. It's now Jesus overcame this world and its power and he clearly invites us to find our peace in his victory. We don't have to fight our way to victory over our circumstances. Jesus already did that and he won. And so we go back to our salvation again. Jesus won. We have been placed 
in Christ. And so Jesus says, in me, you can have peace. No matter what your circumstances, they can't give you the peace that Jesus can. Know and stand on the promises of God. They're there to equip us to flourish in any and every circumstance. Both came from the book of John, which we're studying together as a church. There's so much that Jesus tells us and shows us in the book of John. So we've talked about our perspective, and we've talked about Jesus' promises. We've got to reduce the power that we're giving our circumstances in life. And we've got to embrace the truth that was spoken to us through Jesus in the Bible, in the Word of God. These are effective tools to help us in our struggle to find peace in our lives. But there's one more that I want us to consider together this morning. And the word that I've chosen is possibilities. Possibilities. This ties into something that we talked about last week. When we were discussing inner peace, we looked at the reality that if we're not doing what we were created to do, it's going to be impossible for us to truly experience inner peace. We'll feel unsettled. We'll feel a little out of whack when we're not doing what we've been called and created to do. There's peace in doing what God created and equipped us to do. Now there's something directly related to peace that we were created for. And I think this is a very prominent part of us having been created in God's image. Church, we will find peace in the midst of life's circumstances when we engage our calling to be peacemakers to be peacemakers Jesus said in the incredible sermon that he preached in Matthew 5 through 7 blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God at the root of the Greek word for peacemakers is the word irene it means that we love this peace and so we're led to promote it within our circumstances there is peace to be found in promoting peace Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's going to bless us when we engage in our calling. And what does that blessing look like? We're going to be known as children, sons and daughters of God. That blessing leads us right back to where our peace is found. Children of God live within God's kingdom. They are safe in his impenetrable fortress. And from there they move outwards to experience God's inner peace and his peace within their circumstances. In Romans 12, Paul instructs that as much as it depends on us, we're to live at peace with everyone. We're to be the ones who initiate the restoration of our relationships. Those broken relationships can steal our peace if we let them. So we humble ourselves and we take the first step And restore those relationships. At the end of his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote this. He said, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Another promise for us. Seek peace and the God of peace will make his presence known. Live in peace. Be peacemakers. 
In Hebrews 12, we're told to strive for peace with everyone. And in 2 Corinthians 5.18, I see most clearly God's directive for us to be peacemakers. Paul writes this. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I, church, are peacemakers. We are lovers of God's peace and we are equipped and motivated to be ambassadors of God's kingdom, bringing the world his message of peace. In that calling, we can find tremendous peace in the midst of our circumstances. No matter what our circumstances, church, we can experience irene in the midst of them. We can. God does not intend for us to be victims of our circumstances and have our peace stolen by those circumstances. He has provided for us a place of victory and strength, his strength, and peace in whatever circumstances that we may face. Not peace that originates from our circumstances. Peace that comes from the core. Peace that comes from the assurance of our salvation. Peace in our hearts and our minds that is guarded by the God of peace. Peace that brings contentment and victory in our earthly circumstances, no matter what those circumstances might be. And I invite you to claim God's peace this Christmas. The Prince of Peace came. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus overcame the power of this world and its circumstances. And genuine, personal, lasting peace can be found and experienced in him, in Christ. I have a benediction for you this morning. It's found in 2 Thessalonians at the very end of the letter. This is my prayer for you this morning. Now may the Lord of peace himself Give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. Merry Christmas, Chapel Hill. If you can, please join us tomorrow at at 4.30 for our Christmas Eve service. It's going to look very different in here. We're even going to change the way the chairs are arranged. We're going to celebrate the Prince of Peace together. We're going to tie all this that we've been talking about together right in the midst of the Christmas message, and I invite you to be here. I'm going to invite the, the ushers to come now, and Peter and Kate, um, and I would ask that you pray with me now as they come and prepare to close our service. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you again this morning. I want to thank you for all that you've done for us in sending your Son to be with us. I want to thank you for being with us, Emmanuel, God with us. I want to thank you for the incredible life that Jesus lived under difficult, extreme circumstances so that we didn't get this model that that everything's going to be easy with you. Even your son, even Jesus himself didn't experience easy. He faced this world's circumstances. 
and was able to not just rise above it, but have victory over this world's circumstances to show us what it is to find your peace in the midst of those circumstances, to show us what it is to experience inner peace guarded by you, our hearts and minds guarded by you so that we can experience that peace. He showed us the way to the core. He showed us the way to Irene by providing our salvation for us. Father, I ask right now that for every single one of us, you just keep bringing us back to that place of peace, bringing us back to Irene, bringing us back to the tranquility that comes in the joy and security of our salvation, to the strength that comes being safely hidden in your impenetrable fortress. I pray that we would truly and honestly acknowledge your presence with us as we move out into the world around us and, and, and that we just invite you and accept your promise that you will guard our hearts and minds. And I pray, Lord, for each one of us here and the circumstances that we face. And I know that in this room there are so many different, challenging, difficult circumstances that are coming to mind right now. Some of us had to fight through them to get here this morning. Some of us know that when we leave here, we're going to have to face those difficult circumstances again. So God, will you help us? Help us to take away the value, the power, the influence that we're giving our circumstances. To reduce them to the place where you want them to be, where the value that, that you assign them, which is not near as much as what we assign them, God, help us to strip that away. Help us to stand on, to remember, to memorize, to listen to over and over again, to read, to recall your promises. Promises like the fact that Jesus left his peace with us. And Father, give us the, the vision and the courage to be peacemakers, knowing that we will experience peace in the midst of the calling that you've given us in this world amid these circumstances. Even this Christmas, over the next few days here, help us to look for places where we can be peacemakers and enjoy that promise of your peace being fulfilled in us as we do. Father, I pray for a very special and blessed Christmas for everyone who is here, that we would remember your Son, Emmanuel, come to be with us, to be one of us, to show us the path to peace. We commit these next few days to you in the name of the one who came, in the name of Emmanuel, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.